It's the final Sunday of 2019, which means it's the final Sunday of an entire decade, which means each of us stands on the brink of a brand new season. See, personally, I love brand new seasons because they mean fresh opportunities for God to write brand new narratives in each of our lives. Essentially, you get to pick and choose what you want to bring with you into the next decade, and you get to pick and choose what you want to leave behind you in the past. And call me optimistic, but I'm just the guy who believes the best really is yet to come. And over the next 10 years, anything is possible for your life and for our church. The future is on its way. And the thing about the future is it, it brings with it an infinite amount of excitement and possibilities. But at the very same time, it also brings with it a lot of fear and anxiety. There's actually something called xenophobia, which is the fear of the unknown. We all fear what we don't know. We're creatures of comfort. We like what we can predict, right? That's why we take the same route to work every morning. That's why we eat at the same restaurants because, hey, what we know is comfortable. But the thing is, the unknown's coming for all of us, whether we like it or not. I mean, I mean, think about today. It's Sunday, December 29th, 2019, and nobody's ever been here before. We stand on the brink of the unknown, moving into the future, whether we like it or not. And there's a story in the Old Testament about another group of people who stood on the brink of the unknown, the Israelites. See, what you need to know about God's plan since the very beginning is this. God's plan for reaching the world has always been his people. So in Joshua chapter 3, what we read about is a story of a man named Joshua who leads approximately 2 million Jews across the Jordan River into the unknown, a place where they've never been before so that through them the world might know God. This has always been God's plan. Essentially, he's keeping a promise he made to a man named Abraham that he would take his group of people, a small, meager, Ain't nothing special about him, group of people, and he would make them a spectacle to the rest of the world. And fast forward thousands of years later, God is still up to the very same thing and following the same pattern, using small groups of people like Red Rocks Church as a spectacle to the rest of the world. We are part of that same family that we read about now in the Old Testament. We are God's people. We are the church, the only organization that exists for its non-members. And just like the Israelites, we too are called to follow the presence of God into the unknown where we've never been before so that through us, the world might know God. And so, as a church, as we stand on the brink of a brand new decade and a brand new season with so much excitement anticipating what God is going to write through this group of people, Welcome to The Holiday Hangover by Red Rocks Church. Guys, thanks for coming to hang out. Uh, I think one of the things we wanted to try to do is get some of our team together. And I think one of the things that's kind of been a strength of our church from a worship perspective is the way that God has brought certain people um, into our story over the years. Um, I think a lot of times when you're leading worship from stage, we're always leading people. We know we're leading prodigals and lost people. And sometimes you have those moments where you're like, come on, whatever you're going through, like, let's, let's honor God. Let's give glory to God. Let's worship God through this situation. And I think some people can look up at you guys and the, the smoke and the lights and on albums and, and playing in arenas and it feels like there's a disconnect, like what could you possibly know about worshiping in a really difficult situation? And so what a lot of people don't know is your stories are all born from adversity and trials, difficulties. And so I just wanted to find time to create a little bit of space to honestly just let you guys share a little bit of your story. Maybe give people some context to your upbringing and story and we'll just kind of yeah. hear your story and take it from there. For me it was this instantaneous moment. I, I remember I was at a youth camp in Oklahoma and I <clears throat> had this very strained start with the Lord where I was like there's so much that's happened. I'm 17 years old. So much has already happened that I don't know how to reconcile. They keep saying that you're good. They keep saying that you're like this good God but like, I've experienced some things that aren't okay as a 17 year old um, but there was a moment where I just I, I felt like I was on the edge of this like 
cliff and I just decided like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna believe in this mm -hmm. and it was as if this instantaneous thing happened I, I I actually feel like my body like I stood a little taller and I felt like I looked at the worship leader and I saw it was this girl she was singing an old Rick Pino song but she was leading worship and I like I, I gave my heart to, to Jesus looked at her and said I'm gonna do that for the rest of my life and so it was like saved called into ministry the whole thing happened in just the span of a second mm -hmm. worship became like my only breath of fresh air mm -hmm. you know, like Wednesdays we, we did youth worship and mm -hmm. it became like my solace it became like the place where I could be myself and I could be honest um, and I was just full-on worship hippie I mean like shoes <laughs> off <laughs> like I, you had to kick me out of the church because I'm like I, I have to go home and like live the rest of my week. But like I live for this moment, yeah, you know. Took your shoes off. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was a straight up weirdo. Um, <laughs> Black feet on the bottom. Yeah, so just like playing my guitar in the quad. No. But um, one of the coolest things that I learned was that I was more myself. I, I was my true self when I was in worship. Not not necessarily when I was leading worship, but I was my true self when I was worshiping mm -hmm. um, that's when I had the most peace that's when I had the most like clarity of mind mm -hmm. that's when you know and even recently going through like a really crazy season worship was uh, it, it's funny like my, my absolute collapse as a human being happened at the height of us doing things as a team yeah. like creating records and yeah. and songs and wait so you're not perfect Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's so shocking to me. You Go know, ahead. it's really, I, I'd ex I'm really interested to hear everybody. But like, I, I felt like I went to this Bible college and um, was almost immediately a worship leader, mm -hmm. and I felt like I couldn't be honest about anything that was going on. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to hide everything mm -hmm. and be like the perfect worship leader and be the perfect Christian, yeah. or else I'm like, I'm teaching people about a God who's not real yeah, or yeah like I'm, I'm like yeah. I'm the problem yeah so not perfect man not perfect you know for, for me it was like a, a couple years ago was probably like the most I've ever experienced of rock bottom and I think <clears throat> I was really embarrassed because I, I work at a church and I'm a worship leader and we just released a song called Breakthrough. <laughs> and I'm like I'm dying <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> losing my mind and uh you know, I was, I was at a birthday party. It was supposed to be this really happy moment, and I just had this moment with God where I'm like, I am so tired of like protect, shielding you from, like shielding my mess, you from you. You know, like I'm so tired of that. And so I eventually just like all the things that have happened in my entire life, I just laid it on the table with Him, and I said, God, I've wanted to say this for a really long time, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but. You're either not real or you're cruel. Yeah. And there has to be a third option or I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Um, I can't live with either of those options being true. Um, and I felt like it, 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 I didn't have like it's this immediate resolve. It wasn't like I just said it and God's like, yeah. you made it here. Like, here's the answer. It was, it was weeks and weeks and months of, of grueling like, God, I'm back today. I'm back. I'm coming back to like your presence because this is where I can breathe again. But I, I, we need to figure this out. We've got to figure this out. And I felt like for him, it was like, he's like, okay, eventually it was actually during worship at the Austin campus. We did Jesus, we love you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying like, hey, what if the third option is that I'm just a really, really good dad that knows that the only way to create a man or a woman that can handle what's to come is to go through tension and it's to go through war and it's to go through like, like actually being honest and being authentic. Pour out our hearts are wide. 
Joshua chapter 3, Joshua is leading the Israelites to the front of the Jordan River. And there they camp for three days. And while they're there, God speaks to Joshua and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to instruct your people to follow the priests. And as the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant, I want them to step into the river. And so at a moment's notice, Joshua takes the command from God and he goes and he rallies the entire nation. And he says, listen, I want you to listen to God. I want you to hear and I want you to watch because what we're about to witness is gonna be something miraculous. And for us, it's gonna be a sign that the living God is in our midst. So here they are, the priests pick up the Ark of the Covenant, which for us is a symbol of God's presence. And they go and they place their feet on the edge of the waters. Now, this is the only instruction that they've been given. What would make such logical, normal human beings act in a way that is so illogical? Here they are holding the Ark of the Covenant. What's God gonna do next? Now, what's interesting is we're picking up on this story on a larger narrative that's been taking place. 
The children of Israel have been on a journey for 40 years. God has led them out of exile from being in slavery in Egypt in such a miraculous way. He leads them throughout the wilderness with pillars of fire and pillars of smoke. He feeds them with meals of bread from heaven. He provides water from a rock. He parts the Red Sea. Like they have seen God work in such miraculous, faithful ways. As they look in, in the rearview mirror over their journey, all that they see is time and time again, God has been faithful. That is what makes such logical, normal men act in such illogical, faith-filled ways. So just like the Israelites, every single one of us is faced with the same question. Will we fear the unknowns of what's ahead, walking into places we've never been before, decades we've never been in before, challenges we've never walked through before, or will we fear the Lord? Will we look behind us and remember his faithfulness? Remember that he was faithful there and he was faithful there and he was faithful there. And if he's always been faithful in every step of the way, why wouldn't he be faithful now? You see, when we remember God's faithfulness, we don't have to fear what lies ahead. We just have to know with confidence, God is gonna be with us in every step of the way. We know my God will make a way. And because of that, I am not afraid. Where you won't find me, no 
he was for sure my spiritual like mentor everything um i remember being in college away from home and he was like anytime you have a question about the bible you just call me no matter what time of the day or night and i remember there was a something in the old testament that very much confused me call him up and he's, he's away i know <laughs> and the king james version like it was very no um but it's stuff like simple as that is what I miss the most, just being able to call him up and be like, what the heck does this mean? And the funny thing is he wouldn't always like give me the immediate answer. He would just like teach me and help me find it, like just like a pastor would. And, um, and so when he passed away just out of the blue, uh, let's see, this November was nine years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. does not feel like that long, but it also does in a weird way. But um, it... It broke me 100%, like, more than I thought I could have been broken. And I remember before that, um, I was, like, reading about, like, all these greats in the Bible and, like, all this, all these stories of faith and, like, Joseph being thrown in prison and yet still having faith and all these things. And I remember saying to the Lord, like, I want a faith like that. Like, I want to, I want to be like that. I'm strong enough. I can do that, you know, sort of. And uh, then this happened, and, and it was like the Lord told me, let's see what you got. You know, and I was kind of like, I don't, I didn't mean this way, <laughs> you know. Um, but similar to what you were talking about, like I remember worship being everything I needed, and not even, not even like, um, oh, everything's fine, like a a, a band aid. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was like I can come to God exactly as I am, broken, confused, mad at Him, yeah. like. Mm -hmm. Wow. T.O. I almost yeah. said no. Um, <laughs> but like just just everything. And that was the freedom that I needed to heal, mm. honestly. Wow. Like so good. that I feel like sometimes growing up when I looked at worship, similar to what you, I think you said a second ago, like we have to be perfect and that's not a pretty enough emotion to bring God and that's too ugly or whatever. Mm. And I remember God just sitting with me in my pain and being like, just talk to me, like tell me how you feel. And um, one of our past leaders, I think, used to say, God can handle your emotion. Like, if you need to yell at him, yeah. yell at him. Yeah. That is the most freeing thing yeah. of my relationship yeah. with the Lord now. And so there's a reason why sometimes in worship I'm just, in, like, crying. And I'm like, yeah. can we do this later, Lord? Like, when I'm not in front of everyone else? No. Um, but it's, it, I feel like those are the moments, though, when I experience freedom is when I just bring my emotion yeah. um, and bring how I feel. And then out of that, I work through it. Because it's not so that you need to... You don't need to mourn and like leave your mourning bef before you come to church or like leave your mourning before you come to worship or whatever. Like just bring it all. Before me, behind me, always beside me, no shadow, no
So the Israelites walk through the Jordan River on dry ground, and then something strange happens, maybe even stranger than walking through a river on dry ground. God actually tells them to stop before moving forward, and he tells Joshua to go back to the river and collect a bunch of stones and build an altar that will be a memorial for the children of Israel forever. Because I think God understands something about human beings. I think God understands that we are quick to forget, and there's something so powerful about remembering on purpose everything God has already done in our lives up until this point. Because when we can look back and remember on purpose his faithfulness, what it does is it builds our confidence in God's faithfulness moving into the future. Because the Israelites walked through the river into a brand new season, but they still had plenty of opposition and battles in front of them. And you could say the same thing about us. We're embarking on a brand new season and a brand new decade as a church. And while I believe with all my heart it will be marked by the goodness of God, that doesn't mean it's going to come without battles and opposition, which means maybe the most powerful thing we can do before moving forward is to remember on purpose. Because as a church, I mean, we can look back and we can see nothing but evidence for God's faithfulness in our church. We've seen him move mountains, and we believe we're going to see him do it again. His faithfulness has not failed us up until this point, and it will not moving into the future. And so I know this to be true. About 10 years from right now, at the end of this next decade we're about to move into, you will look back and see that God was faithful in your life. As a church, we will look back and see that he was faithful. And since we know that to be true about the future, what if right here and right now, we looked ahead, believing that God is able? Yeah, I, I'm first generation American, so she was an immigrant to this country and um, just a lot of stuff had happened in, in her life even before I, came around and um, her and my father, they got married and then she was applying to, you know, to do a marriage visa or to, to get her citizenship through that marriage visa and then he he left her and he, he you know, affair and all that stuff and, um, and my mom was just like, please just stay with me, we've got a son, like I just, I, I need to be a citizen here or I don't know what's going to happen. And so he was like, no, too bad. Sorry, I can't. And then he left. And, and so then I just grew up, like I said, with my mom. And and she raised me. And she was actually um, illegal in the U.S. And she, I mean, like, it was just so hard for, kind of kind of like your story, like, it was just hard for us to, to, to get anything, you know, because she could, couldn't even get a job. And if she did, like, they would, they would, uh, not really pay her what she deserved. And so we found ourselves homeless just a lot of times. And um, I like remember situations like living in a hotel room with my mom because she like had a friend there and they were like, just stay here. And so we had like two twin beds right next to each other and all of our belongings in this tiny little room. And, and that happened multiple times. And my mom was always just trying to find like something to do to provide yeah. and so um, I had a pretty skewed picture of what a father was and I had this like I, I didn't know like really what to expect from Jesus and my mom wanted me to be in church and so I did that and I was like okay I'm here but you know as a teenager you kind of do your own thing and you, yeah. you know you, you're like okay I, I get it but I'm, I'm doing my own thing and and I still remember going to um, driving to the beach because I'm from Florida so I just Went to, I was the only place I knew where to go, and so I went to the beach, and I stared out at the ocean, and I was like, okay, God, you're, you're either going to be a father, and you're going to provide, and you're going to be everything that they, they say you are, or I'm just going to figure this out. And I had my guitar in the back seat, two suitcases, a box of food, and I just started driving around. I was like, okay. And so I was like, ah, I was calling friends, like, can I stay at your house? Can I stay at your house? And anyways, like, <clears throat> just ended up, finding work and all these different things. And I'd see like the Lord provide. And so I started to like go into scripture and I just wanted to know more about Jesus. And, and I started picking up my guitar and singing and, and I was like, okay, so I, I'm kind of understanding like the faithfulness of God. So then I was, I was 19 and I was like, I want to go to college. And so um, my mom just is awesome. And she was like, well, just pray for it and God will do it. So I was like, okay. 
So I had nothing and I was just praying for it and I was like, God, you can do it. So I'd pray, I'd hop on the phone, I'd call Liberty, which is a school that I went to and I would be like, is there anything that you can do? No, we can't. So I'd hang up, I'd call. I'd, pr I'd like pray the next day, then I'd call, then I'd pray the next day, then I'd call and I'd pray. And I did that for months. I just prayed and I called and I prayed and I was like, God, you're gonna do it. Um, so anyways, I ended up, uh, basically really long story short, I ended up getting a bus ticket and I was like, God's gonna do it. And so I got a bus ticket and I went up to Virginia and I got off with my suitcases. I still have the bus ticket in my, in my room just to remind me, kind of like you said about those, those things that just remind you, those pillars. And so I was like, God, you're gonna do a miracle here. And so I just, I got off the bus and I started working a couple jobs. I, I got into the school and then um, basically God just ended up opening a ton of doors for me to be able to, to go there full time with, yeah, full ride. And, um, and so it was just, for me, the, the most like, the, the part of scripture that like reminds me the most of even what you're saying and what, what I feel like so many of us have is like those little pillars is Joshua 3 and 4. Like that's my, that's my thing. Like, you know, the Israelites, they're all, they're all looking at the Jordan River and they're like, okay, can we cross it? Can we do it? And they do and, and the Lord's faithful. And then Joshua says, okay, but don't miss the fact that God did something here. So let's take stones and let's stack them up by the river. And for years and years and years to come, no matter what we face, those stones, the Ebenezer is gonna remind us that God's been faithful before even. It's, I feel like that's the, the, the story that, that the Lord's doing. So that's, that's kind of a little bit about like what, what drives me in worship. Faithfulness, your faithfulness. 
The story in Joshua 4 continues and the Israelites build the altar just the way that God had instructed them to. And Joshua instructs the people, one day your children and your children's children are going to ask you, what are these stones for? What do they represent? And he says, I want you to tell them that the Israelites crossed over the Jordan on dry ground just as they had in the Red Sea. And that the reason why God did this was to prove that his hand was mighty and his hand was powerful and so that you would fear the Lord. You see, Joshua knew something and wanted his nation to grow up understanding something. He wanted them to know that the faithfulness of God was a must. You see, I think that maybe following God might be a lot more enjoyable for us if we knew that God's faithfulness in the days ahead is an absolute. What if we created a church where our children and our children's children knew that the faithfulness of God was a sure thing, that it was a foundation for them to build their lives upon? What if our greatest risks as individuals and as a church were still in front of us? What if the greatest days of our church were yet to come? I wonder if we postured our heart believing that God's faithfulness will meet us in every trial, every season, and every circumstance. What could happen over this next decade? What could happen in your life? What could God do through a church that believed His faithfulness was a sure thing? You see, Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work will see it through to completion. As you look at this new year, this new decade, I wonder what would change in your life if you believed the one who started this work in your life is going to see it through to completion. My story, difficulty, I mean, same, same kind of thing. I was like, worship for me was birthed out of the hardest time of my life. Um, when I was like 11, my dad was diagnosed with oral cancer. And so, um, just kind of was like a shock to the home. What do you do with that? It started off as like a little spot on his tongue, and then three years down the road, before you know it, they take him down to Vanderbilt. They're gonna open him up, they're gonna remove his tongue, build him a new one, and his whole life is supposed to be different. Mm -hmm. Instead, um, they opened him up, realized it was just way too far gone, mm -hmm. and so give him, you know, some some time left to live. And so, um, so then March of I don't know, whatever it was, I was 14, so um, my dad passed away. But even in that time, my mom actually lost her job, so my mom became like full-time caretaker, and she got fired. And so at home, it was a very, very confusing mess. Um, at that time, I don't know, it's just like my dad had gotten me a guitar a while back. He said, you're going to play this. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And I just never really picked it up, to be honest. Um, he didn't have a lot of patience with me. Yeah. I was terrified of him. And so, like, because I couldn't play with him, I was like, yeah, never mind. And also, I was 11, yeah. right? Yeah. 11. So those few years, I just didn't touch it. And then, uh, and then, and then a mentor of, of mine came kind of into my life um, who happened to be the, the youth worship leader. Um, he got me involved, and I started playing with youth. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea, but the guitar mixed with Jesus became my everything. So what Tyler did back then was Tyler would go to school and then I'd come home and I'd lock myself in my room for two or three hours every single day. Had no idea what I was doing with the guitar, but I would turn on a, a worship CD of some sort, more than likely Hillsong, worship the purple CD with Darlene Check. That's the one. Um, but for real, and I would just... I would blast it and I would just play and it would be terrible, I'm sure. But there's just something, uh, like those moments have helped create who I am. They've helped craft like who I wanna be, not only in worship, but who I wanna be for others, you know? Like the Lord just dove right into my life in those seasons, in that season. 
and, and was with me. In the darkest time, I had this crazy peace. In the darkest time, I had this crazy hope. And, and it's crazy how, like, honestly, I don't know that I would have ever picked up that guitar had we not gone through what we went through, mm -hmm. you know? 16 years later, almost 17 years later, um, worship is still the same for me. That's when I feel the closest to the Lord, is just whenever um, I, I can lock myself away and actually just worship Him. Reading the Word is so important. Praying is so important. Do all those things. But for me, it's just getting into the presence of the Lord by just sitting under this worship music, whether I'm singing or not. And so that's like been my thing. That's what fuels me. And, um, it's my passion is to lead others in worship because I just know like I always go back to that, that Hillsong CD, right? What it meant for me and how the Lord used that to, to encourage me and to strengthen my faith and get me through some of the hardest, most difficult times. I want to be that for other people who are going through it also. Like, I'm not God, but I'm hoping and praying that the Lord will somehow use this gift and, and, and interact with these people and just like bring the presence on them somehow in some way that I can't actually understand but he did it for me. God like proved himself faithful every single step of the way. I have a great life. My sister has a great life. My mom has a great life. Um, and that doesn't happen unless God proves himself yeah. faithful. Mm -hmm.
To see what our church is part of globally. To see people come to Christ all over the world is nothing short of a miracle. We are one church with many locations. Our church is not about where we meet, it's about the people who gather. We exist to see prodigals come home and to see the name of Jesus be made famous. We are the church. We exist for the world on mission to make heaven more crowded. We are followers of Jesus. Our lives demand faith because our God consistently calls us forward into the unknown. With confidence, we emerge as light in a dark place. But our confidence is not in ourselves or in our church. It is in the faithfulness of God alone. With every passing moment, His faithfulness is tried, tested, and challenged. But we know in all things, in every season, His faithfulness is undefeated. Now we can look back over the millennia at the stories of people that live before us and see the unwavering faithfulness of Jesus. Not for a moment has He ever forsaken us. In every